Are you ready to inject a little punk rock DIY ethos into your indie author career? Join me, best-selling author Steph Green, for the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast, where we're going to explore how to tell your story, find your readers, and build a badass author brand. For more info, check out our website at www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. Hello writers, it's Steph here again, and welcome back to another episode of the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast. I don't know how you guys are doing today, I, I've had a bit of a crazy weekend, I've been, I've been to a concert, which is a pretty amazing thing to be able to do in these COVID times, um, and I spent like three days away from the house, seeing friends and staying in a hotel, and it was so much fun, so much fun, but it was pretty tiring, and I am now kind of falling asleep at my desk but that's okay we're going to get through we're going to do this podcast and I hope it's going to be packed full of really useful information for you so today we're going to be talking about launching a book or launching a series in a new subgenre so first of all we're going to talk about why you might want to launch a book or launch a series in a different subgenre and I'm going to be using an example from my own catalogue that I very recently did so so, mostly just sort of talk about me in the beginning, and we're going to get to the sort of the why as as I tell my story. So, as you know, I write paranormal romance. My brand is dark, gothic, sinful. It's it, it, you know, it's you know, I'm all about vampires and ghosts and witches and things that go bump in the night, and, and mysteries and suspense and you know all that kind of good stuff. So that. You know, that's my brand, that's what I am, that's what my readers expect. So, earlier this year, when I woke up in the middle of the night with this crazy idea for a completely not paranormal series, you know, not paranormal romance series, I was like, oh crap, now what do I do? Because I've got this idea, and you know, I didn't even know is it a good idea, is it not a good idea? But it didn't have, you know, there's no vampires, there's no ghosts, there's no witches, there's none of that. It's a completely true contemporary romance story. And I have always said that I would never write contemporary romance because I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how to not write a story with vampires in it. But I had this idea. And I woke my husband up and I told him the idea and I said, tell me, I have no idea, is this a good idea or is it a terrible idea? And he said, that is a great idea. And I didn't trust him because I'm silly. So I went to some friends of mine who are writers, who you know, who write in this genre. And I said, so I've got this idea, now tell me, is this a good idea or is it a terrible idea? And they were like, holy fuck, write that book. You've got to write that book. So... I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I decided that, you know, the series I had launched earlier this year was a bit bit of a complete flop, and I was kind of feeling like, well, you know, fuck it, it's COVID-19, you know, we're all in the lockdown, what have I got to lose? So I decided I was going to write this contemporary series, and I was going to publish it on my pen name. Now often we talk about, when we talk about, you know, having different ideas and writing under different genres, we, you know, we often 
always asking ourselves the question, should we combine all those those things under one pen name or should we, you know, have different pen names for different things? And this is a bit of a how long is a piece of string kind of question. So on the one hand, having lots of pen names is really difficult. So, you know, it's just it's just extra work, it's extra hassle. So if at all possible, you want to avoid doing it. But at the same time, if you write in vastly different genres, those are very different audiences and they don't cross over. You know, often audiences even inside a genre, so, you know, here in, in romance land, we talk about, you know, sort of the three big genres in romance, which is contemporary romance, historical romance, and paranormal romance. And a lot of romance readers will read lots of different romance books, but a lot of them also will only read one of those categories. They'll only read historicals, they'll only read paranormals, and they won't touch any of the other things. So that's the problem that you run into when you are thinking about expanding your reach into other genres. So this was the question that I had to ask myself. If I was going to write this contemporary romance book, what should I do with it? Should I keep it under my main pen name? Should I start a new pen name? What should I do? I decided to keep it under my main pen name, under Stephanie Holmes. And the reason I decided to do this was because, going back to number one, I don't want, if at all possible, I want to avoid having a second pen name. Because one pen name is always going to end up neglected. And I decided that romance as a genre you know if i'm writing in the same tone for the same kind of reader who wants the same kind of things despite the book being contemporary and not paranormal i felt that it was close enough that it that it fit well enough with my branding that it was okay to be under the same name the book is still dark it's still gothic it's still sinful it just doesn't have any vampires and i felt like that was okay and also, although I'm having so much fun writing this series, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue to write more contemporary books in the future. And not tying myself to another pen name and like a release schedule for that pen name beyond this one series felt like the right move for me. So that's a decision that you have to make for yourself. But generally speaking, you know, if the, if the genres are vastly different, you know, so you're writing romances and you're writing cosy mysteries, and those readers are looking for very different things from those books, it's sort of probably not a good idea to mix and match things under one pen name. If, however, you, you, you know, you're writing under one genre and, and you're very clear on this is my brand, this is what my branding is, and you can you can squidge your book somehow to kind of fit underneath your branding. You may find that, you know, not all your readers are going to cross over from different subgenres within your, your major genre. Not all of them are going to do that. But, you know, if, if you keep that branding really good, um, and if you stick within, you know, your wheelhouse, and if the, the, what the readers want from the books is more or less the same, then you're going to get some crossover in readers. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of up to you. So once you've made the decision that you're going to have it on a separate pen name or have it on its own pen name, if you're going to have it on your your current pen name, so, so like me, you have to figure out how you're going to market that book when you, know, you want to be very careful 
because you know if I've got a contemporary romance book I don't want to be marketing it to people who like paranormal romance and those are you know all of my newsletter list and all of my followers on Facebook and all things like that they're all already paranormal romance readers so I have to ask myself how am I going to get this book in front of the people who actually want it and because I am a Kindle Unlimited author because you know things like the, the algorithms on Amazon are really important to my career the other consideration I have to have is how do I make sure that I'm telling Amazon that my book is a certain genre so that my book is a contemporary romance so that they they show it to readers who are interested in contemporary romance and I'm not like confusing them by making them think it's a paranormal romance when actually it's not so this is how I I'm going to show you how I designed my launch plan for this for this series and how well the series has been doing for me over 2020 and um, 2020 has been a bit of a crap year for me let's just say in terms of sales I've definitely you know done a bit of backtracking um, so things have not progressed you know as much as I would have hoped they would would have from 2019 but you know hey the world's crazy so you can't really complain can you um, still paying the mortgage which is the important thing but so of this year this series um which is called the Stonehurst Prep series, this contemporary series, has been my, you know, my, my biggest hit, my most successful books of 2020. And, and that's really interesting to me, considering that this book is slightly, you know, slightly off-brand for me, let's just say. So I'm going to go through what I did. So I launched book one back in July. I had a I had a friend make the covers for the the series for the first three books in the series. I made really sure that I had covers made that really conformed to what the readers were expecting in the contemporary genre. So I didn't try to kind of mash my like paranormal covers in with a contemporary cover or anything like that. I I focused first and foremost on what's going to appeal to those contemporary readers. And I felt as though, for me, this series was all about introducing a slightly wider audience to me as an author. Because I think if you like my specific brand of dark and gothic and sinful, you're going to easily swap over from contemporary to paranormal and back to contemporary again. That, that's not going to be a problem. So for me, I saw this series as you know the ability to reach readers who I hadn't been able to reach before because they were interested in contemporary books. So focused really hard on making really great covers, really, you know, really attention grabbing covers. Um, I wrote a blurb that I'm really proud of um, and you know readers often tell me they often comment that the blurb you know just hooks them immediately so I've had a lot of positive feedback about the blurb and like how awesome it sounds so I, I think that you know that was really important really important part of the thing I, I'm not relying on my name to sell the series you know and, and the previous success I've had to sell the series because I know that a lot of these readers that I'm going to be attracting won't have heard of me. So I got this great cover, got this great blurb, I launched the book, um, I had the book on pre-order for about three weeks, I didn't get that many pre-orders, it was like 150 or something like that, so not that many, um, and I think in the future I won't be launching, I've talked about this a lot, 
um, I, and in the future I'm not going to be launching books books one in the series with a pre-order or if I do it'll be a very short pre-order like less than a week um, and it's just because I find I'm not getting the numbers for those book one pre-orders that are making it worthwhile so that's how we're going to that's how we're going to roll so I had book one on pre-order and, and when book one went live it hit May, it was about 1500 in the Amazon store it's not you know not like blowing the world away um, what I did what I did when I launched book one was I was very very careful that I really wanted the also boughts on my Amazon page to reflect contemporary books so this is what I focused on over and above selling more books so I didn't tell my newsletter heaps and heaps and heaps about the book before it launched but what I was doing was I was running Amazon ads AMS ads with quite a high spend so I, I you know usually when you run AMS ads you're bidding on keywords or specific books or specific names of authors and you're usually bidding quite you know your bids are sort of 15 cents 30 cents maybe like 45 cents that you know they're not very you know that's kind of the numbers we're talking about but I was bidding like a dollar or even higher than that sometimes just on this list of about 20 to 30 authors and books who were like exactly perfect contemporary romance books bully romance books dark high school books that perfectly fit this series and Running AMS ads on pre-orders, especially pre-orders for book one in a brand new series, it, you know, it's never going to be very successful, but it did enough. And so I probably spent maybe $100, let's say, on pre-launch AMS ads. So about $100, and that got me, you know, it's definitely got me a few of my pre-orders, enough that my also boughts were starting to reflect contemporary books and not the paranormal books that my readers who are on my newsletter are normally buying. Also what I did um, during that time was I participated in a few takeovers during my um, pre-order period that were for contemporary, you know, in groups of, you know, readers who read contemporary romance so just just on Facebook just trying to you know introduce them to who I was the book one launched um, and I, I I didn't immediately tell my mailing list um, what I did instead was I had a launch party in my Facebook group and I invited I think it was about 15 authors who had you know many of those authors were on my list of you know, books I was targeting on AMS so I invited these authors about 15 of them all who wrote contemporary books into my group um, they ran some games they told people about their books they, they had heaps of fun it was so cool some of these guys are my total heroines total heroes you know total writing gods and goddesses so it was so cool to have them in my wee little group with all my readers it was awesome what that also means is that right from the beginning I'm attracting their starting to attract their readers into my groups um, I'm starting to kind of you know they're buying the books from these visiting authors you know my readers are buying their books and so it's helping with you know it's just more to help my also boards really establish as a contemporary author 
and it wasn't until, until sort of like the third day or so of launch when I actually sent out my newsletter. Now the now the launch of the first book was you know it's definitely not my best launch ever. I didn't even hit the top 1,000 on Amazon. Um, but what happened was the book did so well that you know this all this work I did um, on the also boards did so well that the book kind of stayed in that sort of like 3,000 ranking. You know, so certain amount of copies were being bought or been read in KU every single day and it sustained my income on that book for a very long time. It was really cool. So it didn't have like the biggest like hard hitting launch but it had this really long tail and I think largely that was due to the work that I did in really establishing it in its subgenre. So that was book one. And then book two launched a couple of weeks ago. So there's a big time gap between book one and book two. That's not usually the way I do things. It's just that I had another book that I had to write in another series in between them. And, you know, again, that's not usually the way I do things. I usually try to get books out about two months apart in a series. But this year has been a bit of a mess. You know, 2020, everyone. What are we going to do? So I'll tell you what I did when I launched book two. What I did was I ran book one on a 99 cent Kindle countdown deal. And then I went to my friend at RAM, at BookRank, bookrank.com, definitely recommend it. And I said, I'm running a 99 cent Kindle countdown deal. I want to spend $500-ish on some uh, newsletter promotions to promote the 99 cent deal. So these are lists like e-reader news today, like Bargain Booksy, like BookSense, all of those fellows that we know. So instead of me having to plot those all out, um, BookRank do it for me. I pay them $500 and they spend $500 um, plotting out these newsletter things. I told them that I wanted a rising promotion, so I wanted all of the best promo, the best promo newsletters at the end of the promotion. So that's like Bargain Books and Robin Reads. I wanted them towards the end. And so for the, seven, the first seven days that book two was live on Amazon, book one was at 99 cents and was being promoted through these newsletters. So it was you know higher in the rankings than it usually was. So I did that. And then I planned my own promo around this idea of this rising promotion, of this rising sales. And the reason we do this is because Amazon you know, relies a lot on the sales data of your books in order to, to determine you know, how well you're doing and, and how much they should promote you to other people. And those algorithms that do that determining, they don't like big spikes. What they do like to see is like you know, a steady trend up or down or across. And so I'm trying to create that steady trend for them. So that's why we do this rising promotion, sort of like jamming all of the, you know, all of our promotion onto like one or two days. We spread it out over a week. So I had my 99 cent Kindle countdown deal running. And so on day one, when book one launched, what I did was I, I um, announced it in my personal Facebook group and I announced it in some big reader Facebook groups. 
Um, so these are groups where readers gather to get um, book recommendations. A lot of them are reverse harem specific. Um, some of them were like contemporary romance specific. So I had about three or four of those. So And, and, and they're very big groups, you know, 6,000 members, 20,000 members, that kind of thing. So I did my announcements. So that was very good. Day two was when I sent out my newsletter. So your newsletter day, the day when you send out your newsletter, you're always going to get a big bump. So I didn't do that on day one. I saved that for day two. Day three, I had an actual takeover in one of those large 20,000 people Facebook groups for, for readers. So you know that's a lot of reader eyes on me and on my book. So that was day three's promo. And on day four, I, what I'd done is I had asked um, some author friends, especially author friends that wrote um, contemporary reverse harem, that wrote these kind of dark high school books. I asked them, you know, could you guys, would it be okay if I came into your Facebook group and posted my link to my book? So they said, totally cool. So I, so what I did was I went on to some author groups and I posted the link. And it's probably not going to get you very much, but it was sort of, I was sort of trying to do this launch as cheaply as possible because I already spent $500 on this um, this Kindle countdown deal so just trying to do like small things and tr just trying to get my you know so when readers show up on Facebook somewhere in their feed they're going to see my book that was sort of what I was trying to do and day four also I sent out my second newsletter. So since had a, a newsletter, but this time instead of talking really about the, the launch of book two, I told them that book one was on sale. So usually when you do like a, like a, a you have a book on sale um, and you send it to your newsletter, you don't get a massive bump because mo you know a lot of people in your newsletter have already obviously bought the book or read the book, but you do get a few people. So I think that's important to do that. And also that newsletter is just another chance for me to hit them all with the fact that book two has come out. And so you get a bit of a bump. Day five, I did some more Facebook groups um, of fellow authors, just putting up my little link. And I had a couple of authors um, do put my book in their newsletters and send it out. So kind of newsletter swaps. I did not do a lot of those this time because I'm not sure personally... I actually see much of a like a spike from doing them. So day five, that's what I did. Day six, I sent out a newsletter again and I just told people, I was like, thank you so much guys. Here's how awesome you know, the launch went. I told them that we got into the top 1000 of Amazon, which we did. It was so cool. Um, I, I had some little quotes from some of my my stunning reviews and I just reminded them they've got one day left to get the book for 99 cents so and then obviously day seven I don't think I did anything um, but the 99 cent deal ended now if you are you know skilled with Facebook ads or Amazon ads or bookbub ads obviously during this week this is probably a time when you are going to be running those and you're going to be tweaking them and and testing them and you know really trying to push especially that book one um, 99 cent deal. Now I am not very skilled at ads. I've sort of mostly got the hang of AMS ads but Facebook ads and uh, BookBub ads are a bit elusive to me. Still 
So sometimes, sometimes I can sort them, but sometimes I can't. And I sort of, if I can't sort them, I just, I don't do them. I just turn them off because I try to spend as little money as possible. Um, I sort of, I don't want to be one of those people who are earning like 20 grand a month, but I pay 15 grand to earn 20 grand. I want to be the kind of person that pays like $200 to earn 20 grand. So that's kind of the philosophy that I go with. So often my launches won't hit as big as other authors, you know, so this launch um, hit better than, launch, than the launch of book one, um, you know, it went in the top 1,000. Um, but, you know, it's not, I'm not hanging out in the, you know, the top 100 of Amazon or whatever for this launch. But that's okay. I'm okay with that because I still earn great, I still earn a great income because I have this this big backlist and sometimes you know sometimes books get a lot of momentum behind them and they do really really well and sometimes they don't and what's happened with this series is it may not you know spike up really high on release but it has a really steady following of lots of new people finding it and some of those new people who find this book go on and read my other series and that's really what I'm after so I'm Running low-level AMS ads on the series, just um, just on some on book one, um, some on you know as a, as an ad group on book one and book two, mainly to my list of sort of twenty to thirty key authors. So that's really what I'm doing. I did a little bit of experimenting with Facebook ads, but I can't really see. I turned them off, and I can't see a difference. So, uh, you know, that's the jam. <laughs> So in terms of earnings for this series, I have spent approximately $1,000 promoting it. So I spent $500 on the Kindle Countdown deal, and I spent probably another $500 in, you know, since the, the launch in July on things like AMS ads. So that's about what I've spent. Um, I also, obviously, I paid for covers, I paid for editing, I paid for proofreading. The series itself has earned around, so, so both book one and book two have earned around $16,000. So obviously I spent $1,000 and I earned around 16000 So, you know, we're not like, we're not talking about like lighting the world on fire kind of, kind of numbers here. However, you can see that there's a steady flow of readers coming into the series and that, you know, even on what's a relatively small advertising budget for an author, you can do quite well if you are thinking really carefully about who your readers are, you're really branding to make sure that you're, you're creating something that really attracts those readers, and that you are, you know, you're giving them the next release as soon as you, po as you possibly can. And what I'm seeing, obviously, from book one from, to book two is a growth in, in the impact of the releases and already book three's pre-orders have nearly hit the same number as you know the pre-orders that I already had for book two so I'm definitely going to be seeing more pre-orders for book three than book two and book three is going to come out much sooner than book two came out so what I'm hoping is from, from book two to book three and from book three to book four I'm going to gather more and more readers and each release is going to have an even bigger impact. So I'm really, really excited to see where this series goes. But I just thought it would be really interesting for you to kind of see the strategy behind uh, a release that I do, 
you know, how I do what I do, you know, what my thinking is around that, you know, why I decided to release the series that was in a slightly different subgenre, and the answer is basically because because the story sounded really cool and I really wanted to write it. That is the answer. So I hope you found this really useful. I hope it was really interesting. If you have any questions, please, please hop over to the Facebook group, give us a yell, or, you know, send me an email, ask them. I'm always happy to talk. That's all from me for this week. I hope you've really enjoyed the show. Happy writing.